Well, it's a blessing um, to be here today. I just want to start with uh, a couple of disclaimers. Um, <laughs> first is that, um, oh yeah, I can't make buller cake. That's that's the. Um, yeah, I, I'm basically at the moment. Um, uh, ben and I, uh, we, we teach the youth uh, uh, most Sundays, um, and we're both currently learning how to teach the word. Um, so I guess the disclaimer is to, uh, as all of us, like we, we're not where where we will be yet. So uh, you know your your patience and your and your understanding is is appreciated in that area. Uh, but we endeavour to do the best we can. Uh, the second is that uh, the PowerPoint is um, it, it's, it's not great. And uh, please, please don't, uh, please don't judge me because of that. Like, look at this guy. That transition was was terrible. Like, Pastor Rob's transitions. That's you know what I'm saying. It just blows your mind. Mind are right. <coughs> leave a little bit to de- to be desired. But cool. Um, today, um, if I was to give uh, today's uh, sermon a, a title, it would be uh, the pursuit of happiness. Uh, many of you might be familiar with the film. Uh, the Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith. Um, uh, it's got some uh, emotional scenes in there, uh, but the whole the film um, in general is one man's pursuit for happiness, um, going from one place of um, you know not a good place to to going to a place of prosperity, a place a place where he's comfortable, a place where he can provide for his family. Um, and we're going to be looking at First Psalms. Um, I'd have to be really honest, I didn't used to like Psalms, and uh, I know that kind of sounds shocking to say, and so many people are like, like I love the Psalms, but um, I think it's partly because I'm I'm a rapper, and uh, a lot of people used to say, oh man, like you're a rapper, you must love the Psalms, like David was the original rapper, and it's like, (laughs) not really, like the Psalms don't even rhyme or anything, so it kind of used to, uh, yeah, I think part of that. But what's interesting is over the last year as I've got to kind of know God's word more and learn more about it, um, I've just grown to love how, how every book has a significant um, place in the Bible. Um, I, I was prone to, to think that uh, some books are just put in there because it was convenient, but how very wrong I was. Uh, every part of the Bible fits to make an amazing picture. And uh, as Richard uh, touched on last week, we can see uh, Christ, we can see Jesus in, in all parts of the Bible, New and Old Testament. Um, so, first of all, uh, if you didn't know, uh, Psalms is made up of 150 chapters, uh, but essentially when it was written, it was made up of five books, book one being uh, chapters 1 to 41, book two uh, being chapters 42 to 72, book three, uh, 73 to 89, uh, book four, chapters 90 to 106, and book five, chapters 107 to 150, and uh, within that we have uh, many different types of psalm, many different styles of writing. Um, So we have firstly um, what we call a lament, Um, so seeking help from the Lord uh, in a troubled situation. Um, Then we have hymns of praise, um, a call to God's people to admire God's great attributes and deeds, Uh, hymns of thanksgiving, Uh, thanking God uh, usually for answers to prayer. Um, We have hymns celebrating God's law, Um, so encouraging listeners to obey it more fully, uh, his law being his word, uh, the Bible. Um, Songs of confidence, so strengthening trust, uh, uh, our trust in God. 
royal psalms, so psalms which focus on um, David um, as king and God blessing his people uh, through his king, kingship. Uh, historical psalms, uh, so psalms which uh, take lesson from history of how God has dealt with his people in the past. Um, and then uh, we have prophetic hymns as well. Um, and these often are echoed uh, later in the Old Testament in some of the minor prophets as well. Um, so we have many different styles of writing, um, and a lot of them obviously uh, cross over um, in terms of their genre. Um, what's interesting is that the Psalms, most of them were made uh, to sing. And uh, it's interesting because when you, when you sing something, I think you really, that's when you kind of take ownership of it. Um, you know, you join in, we say we are agreeing with what this says. Obviously, when we sing songs here at uh, when we come here on a Sunday afternoon, we didn't write the songs, but we agree with the songs. We join in unity when singing them. And uh, a lot of the Psalms had this intention uh, when they're being written. Um, as I say, we see Jesus in the Psalms. An amazing study to do um, is to read uh, Psalms 22 uh, next to Matthew 27 and to see the different references. Jesus uh, famously uh, quotes Psalm 22 um, in Matthew's account of his crucifixion when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's various other references uh, to Psalm 22 um, in that account in Matthew 27. So that's a really interesting uh, study to do. Uh, don't do it right now because, yeah, you might be a bit distracted. Um, so Psalm 1 um, is what we know as a, as a gateway psalm. So one that starts off uh, the book of Psalms and the same in a book where you might have a preface or a pro prologue. It kind of uh, lets you know what you, you to expect when you read that book. It kind of outlines it um, and gives uh, a general theme of the contents uh, of the book that you're about to read. Um, uh, sets the tone, uh, the, sets the tone of the book. It's a, it's, a, it's a wisdom psalm kind of giving advice. Um, so this is the psalm. Um, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields his fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So we see six verses in this uh, psalm, and we can almost split it into two parts, uh, verses one to three and verses four to six. Uh, verses one to three focusing on uh, the path of the righteous um, and teaching us the way of blessedness or happiness and verses four to six, um, focusing on the way of the wicked and warning us of uh, what is to, to be the sure destruction of sinners. Um, so that's what we're gonna be looking at today. We're gonna be looking at the pursuit of happiness, true happiness, the path of righteousness, and then I guess what the world would call happiness, um, the things that they would pursue, um, the way of the wicked, um, as this psalm puts it in verses four to six. So. To start off then, uh, we'll look at verse one. Um, sorry, I've missed that slide, so that's what we'll be looking at today. Um, verse one, um, it starts off with the word blessed, um, and this literally uh, means happy, and um, this word 
speaks not of kind of a temporary happiness, like a lot of us, you know, you might get chuffed because you put on your jeans and you found a pound in your pocket. And it's like a temporary happiness, do you know what I mean? You feel chuffed um, or, or, or something like that. It's, it's like a state of happiness, perhaps one like what you'd compare to saying, I'm happy in my job, um, I'm happy where I live, or I'm, I'm happily married. It's somewhere where you reside rather than somewhere where you just visit. It's, it's a permanent state. So that's what this word blessed speaks of, someone who has this contentment, this general feeling of happiness um, in their life. Um, Jesus famously, famously uses this word, or the Greek equivalent of this word is used um, in Jesus' uh, famous ser- Sermon on the Mount uh, that we read in Matthew. Uh, He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And he was using the same word, blessed, um, in his commentary of the Psalms. Spurgeon says you could almost use the word in the context of Psalm 1 as, oh, the blessednesses, uh, to communicate just the extent um, of the blessedness described. Um, But no, after that we've got three negatives straight away. Um, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And uh, I think as as, as human beings, we don't like negatives sometimes. We're like, don't tell me what I'm not meant to be doing. And I work in a primary school for, for a few days a week, and they... They hate negatives there. It's like when, you, when you're teaching the kids, when you're giving kids rules, don't give them negatives. Don't be like, don't run or don't be nasty to each other. You have to say things like, you know, be nice to each other or uh, take responsibility when walking down the corridor and that sort of thing. Um, something that's positive and, and makes them uh, feel good. But what's interesting is that as humans, we tend to uh, naturally um, bias foolishness you know, as, as, as children, no one taught us how to do wrong. Like, we knew how to be naughty. Do you know what I mean? It's easy. Um, you know, sometimes we might copy people, but generally, you just had this general feeling that you knew how to be naughty. Our parents had to teach us how to be good, and those, those of us who have children now, you know, you teach your children how to be good. They can be naughty all by themselves, but they need guidance of how to be good. And as Christians, you know, we often stand out for more of what we don't do than what we do do. Okay, we do stand out for the things that we do as well, but often the things that grab people's attention is noticing what we don't do. So the fact that we don't, um, if we're not married, we don't have sex before marriage. The fact that we might not smoke, the fact that we might not use bad language, the fact that we might not cheat when we play Connect Four or something like that. Um, You know, those things which, which make us stand out, which cause people to ask questions and say, why is it that you don't do this? So let's look at these things that a righteous man doesn't do. The first thing that a righteous man does not do is walk in the counsel of the wicked. This simply means that this person, this individual, he doesn't take advice uh, from a wicked person. When we say wicked, we mean those that have refused to live uh, you know, by morals, someone who just ignores uh, moral, moral standards. In these times, it would be someone who refused to follow the covenant or the law in modern terms, I guess we'd, we'd say someone who just ignores morals in life. Um, blessed is a man who doesn't take advice, or not only take advice, but walk in the advice of that person. We can listen to advice all day, but it's acting on that advice, um, which kind of uh, is the difference um, between a righteous man and a wicked man. Um, we might do this subconsciously, so 
It sounds a bit extreme to kind of be sitting down and talking to someone with no morals who's telling us this and that. Sometimes we do it subconsciously. It might be through, um, you know, the music we listen to. It might be what we're watching on TV. It might be the magazines that we read in, the newspaper. And we think, yeah, that's, that's the right thing to do. Or we're subconsciously influenced by it and we walk in the counsel of, of, of this advice. The second thing uh, that a righteous man does not do is stand in the way of sinners. And uh, I was a bit confused to this at first because obviously the English language, you can have different meanings uh, behind certain terms. It doesn't mean stand in the way like what tourists do on the platform when you're waiting for the train <laughs> or what some people do, I don't know, on, on Oxford Street when you're trying to get where you're going, um, you know, and you're like dancing with them in the street trying to get around them. Um, it's not stand in the way like that, like you're um, getting in someone's way. It's um, standing in the way like standing in their shoes um, okay, so like doing what they do. Um, a righteous man does not stand in their shoes. He does not do what they do. We don't look like what the world looks like. Um, and we'll be coming on to that uh, a little bit more shortly. Um, and this isn't, by the way, because as Christians, we're, we're, we're stush, you know, and we look on them things and say, oh, no, I could never participate in such ungodly things. It's because we know a better way. The righteous man knows a better way. Not because he's too nice. Not because, you know, he doesn't roll with such scumbags. Because we're all, you know, we're all by nature this way inclined. But because they know a better way. Um, thirdly, a righteous man does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Um, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And uh, scoffers is a term that's often used in the Bible in the Old Testament. And it implies that someone is not simply just without morals, uh, but they're committed to evil. They're, they're, they're masters in, in worthlessness. Um, Proverbs would describe someone as, as, as having an unteachable spirit. They're a fool. You can't tell them anything. They, they, they know what they're doing and how they want to do it. And um, there's a gradual decline uh, in the journey of, of, of this person. And notice the increased level of loyalty to this cause. First standing, then walking, and then sitting. Um, I used to work with a lad. Um, I used to do, do, uh, be involved with youth work with kids, young people who weren't in school. And um, there was a lad that I used to work with. He was a, he was a great guy. He had an amazing story. And um, he'd, he'd kind of lost his parents in another country. And he'd come over here to live with his auntie. Um, to do education here and uh, he, he was going in the right direction and uh, he was learning uh, amazing things he wanted to be a plumber he had great aspirations he turned his life uh, around um, in one sense from what it, what it was um, winning awards and stuff for, for his achievements um, but unfortunately I spoke to him recently and um, he'd, he'd, been a, he'd just come out of prison and he'd served time for, for doing uh, armed robbery um, and he'd been found with some, some gold or something that it, it's been stolen. And I just think, where, where did it go wrong? Like, what happened for him? Um, did it start off that he was just at first walking in this, this council? And then did it move on to the fact that he, he stood? And then did he sit? You know, you go to someone's house, or you might be passing through somewhere. Someone might say, take a seat. And you might say, oh, it's all right, I'm not stopping. And then you move on. But when you sit down... You're committed, you know, you're going to be willing to spend time with that, that person or in this particular environment. And I just wonder where did it start uh, for him. 
But instead we see this contrast of what a righteous man does in verse two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. But what's interesting is that the law at this time, the time the psalm was written, would have literally just been the Torah, like the, fi- the first five books in the Bible, it would have literally been the law. I don't know if you've read the first five books recently, but I don't know, maybe like Leviticus, it's not the most exciting book in the world. It's not the book that I really take that much delight in. It's literally the law, like law after law of instruction. And um, I used to find it really hard because I felt it was almost as if God had said, do you want the, the good news first or the bad? I'll, I'll give you the bad news first, Old Testament. And then <laughs> here's the good news, New Testament. Yes, but it's, it's, not, it's not that. And um, I found it hard and difficult looking at the Old Testament to feel like, what, does, does God love me then? Because surely, you know, he's given me all these ru- rules or he's given his people, the people of Israel, all these rules. It's hard to see how, how he, he loves these people. But the, this law is... Is, is good news. Uh, it's a law of grace. Psalm 119 and verse 44 to 45 um, says, I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom for I have sought out your precepts. And this talks of, you know, getting freedom from this law um, of his word and walking in that freedom. And if we look at the, the Ten Commandments, um, where it's written in Deuteronomy 5, verse 6, which is the verse which immediately comes before the Ten Commandments, Uh, The Lord says to Moses, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Okay, so he's saying that this is my nature. You know, I'm a God who released you from bondage, who released you from slavery. I'm not about to just put you in, you know, another form of kind of uh, oppression or whatever. Um, Are we all right? Yeah. I'm not going to put you in another form of bondage or something else which oppresses you. Um, I'm going to set you free. And we know that, again, you know, through having children, we give them laws, we give them rules, we give them guidelines because we love them um, and we care about them. Um, we see this in, in Deuteronomy 6, uh, which comes after the Ten Commandments. It says, um, uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 20 to 25, says, When your son asks you in a time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and the Lord showed us signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Um, So this was a law of grace. It was a law of freedom, something to delight over. And what's also interesting about the law is that at these times especially, it would have made the people of Israel look very different uh, to the rest, to, to other nations. Um, they had special di- dietary requirements, food that only they could, um, that, f- food that they could eat and uh, a lot of food they couldn't eat. They had a way which they were to dress, a way which they were to do their hair. Uh, they would have looked uh, very different from everyone else. And I sometimes think, I wish I could take back the time that I've wasted almost in trying to look the same as everyone else. I think as Christians, we're often called to look different and we spend so much time being the same, you know, like um, 
you know, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I'm still, you know, I like a bit of banter. Do you know what I mean? I'm the same as you. Have a, you know, whatever. And, and, and we spend a lot of time doing that. I'm sometimes at, at work and the conversation comes up like, um, yeah, you know, I, I know you only work here three days. What do you do the other two days? Oh, I studied the other two days. Oh, what are you studying? It's like, oh, I study the, uh, <coughs> uh, study the, uh, the, the, the Bible. And it's like, uh, it's, you're reluctant sometimes, you know, because you think, oh, they're going to think I'm an absolute nutcase. Do you know what I mean? They're going to think I'm a weirdo. But, you know, I found so often through saying that, people are almost refreshed, like, really? Like, that's unusual. And um, obviously, that's not always the response. But... Um, <laughs> It's, I think the, 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 the world wants us to be different. If we were exactly the same as the world, then, then what could we offer? You know, what, would, what would be different about our lifestyle? And they delighted in the law, um, only having the first five books of the Bible. Um, how, how much more should we delight in the, the 66 books we have, um, the Old and the New Testaments and the promises we hold so close to? Uh, so many of us have, have favorite Bible verses and, and promises and words of encouragement which we cling on to. And we, we delight in these things. And uh, that's a great thing. Uh, even if you just look at something like John 3.16, which so many people know. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know, we should delight in these things because this is amazing news. And this is uh, amazing news for us. Um, but notice he meditates on it day and night. Uh, it's relevant in facing every situation, not just some things, not just in a certain season, but it's all things, good or bad. He meditates day and night. And um, knowing God's word is, is pleasing to God as well. In Joshua 1.8, uh, the Lord speaking to Joshua says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So not only is the, the righteous man blessed, so happy, um, which makes him distinct, but also uh, someone who reads the word. And I think that's when we have real impact on the world, is when, when we know the word, and we have the word living in us. Um, I've got a good friend who's an older uh, man, very old. He's, he's, he's 80 something, I can't remember. I don't think he knows. But he's um, he's a... Uh, He's, he's just, ever since I've known him, he's just been, the, he's had the word just flowing through him. Every conversation we have is, is the word, and he's in hospital at the moment. He's, um, yeah, he's probably going to pass away soon, but, you know, he's going home. It's, it's, it's almost a really exciting time. Uh, but Abby and I went to see him in, in the home where he's staying, and uh, we, we read some Bible to him. And uh, even in his state of, of being so weak and so fragile and frail, uh, he was, you know, joining in with, with the reading of, of the word just off the top of his head, do you know what I mean? And here's a man who is, he meditates on the word day and night, you know, and, and, and even now in the state it was in, you know, he delights in the word. He's um, not just picking and choosing the parts which we like and, and, and making them fit to whatever situation. It's day and night, you know, it needs to challenge us as well and affect us. Verse 3. He's like a, plea, a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So notice the, the plural on the streams. It's not just one stream which might be prone to, to dry up. It's, it's streams, possibly you know, a junction of streams that come, come together. It's a constant supply of water. 
and his leaf does not wither, you know, like, I guess like an evergreen tree, um, produces fruit in season. I guess that's the mark of, uh, you know, something that's pleasing to God, something that produces fruit. You know, a farmer is going to quickly uh, tear something down if it doesn't produce fruit. It's no, it's no good uh, to him or her who's farming this, 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 uh, this plant. And uh, this, this, this tree produces fruit in its season. Um, and it says it prospers uh, in all that he does, he prospers. And what's interesting about fruit, you know, that can be a great sign of, of prosperity. Um, but kind of what uh, Richard was talking about last week, this isn't necessarily the prosperity gospel. If you look at prospering in the sense of fruit, who does fruit benefit? You know, it doesn't benefit so much the tree that produces it. It produces the people that consume it and partake of it. And, uh, you know, I pray for myself and for you guys that I may be prosperous to be able to bless others, to be able to bless those around me, not just to say, you know, come, come to Christ and you'll get a Mercedes Benz. But, you know, look, this is what we do as, as Christians. I want to bless you with, with what I have. It might not be a lot, but let me bless you with what I have, um, you know. And I think being prosperous isn't a bad thing, but I think it's the focus of, of, of what we do with that prosperity and what we choose to do with it. So we've seen um, this man, uh, we've seen his ways, we've seen um, the things that he does um, and, and the things that make the mark of a, of a righteous man uh, in the first um, three verses. Sorry, I meant to show you that slide, but I didn't. That's a tree by a stream. <laughs> um, from verse four to verse six, uh, we see the second path. So it's the the... It's the, I guess what we'd say is the wicked, uh, how the wicked would pursue happiness. So the first half is how the righteous pursue happiness. The second is how the wicked would pursue happiness. It says that the wicked are not so. So these things that we've read of how a righteous man acts, this is not how a wicked man is. Uh, but instead is like chaff that the wind blows away and we can see on this picture, um, I wasn't familiar with this, uh, whatever's happening here. Um, but I guess it's like, um, what can I compare it to in modern terms? It's like washing rice. I don't, does anyone wash rice? Wash rice. Uh, yeah. um, when you wash rice and you might wash it in the, in the, in the bowl or the pan or wherever, and you, the, the water all goes starchy and murky, and then you pour it away, and then you put fresh water in, and you wash it again, and that water goes murky. And long story short, when the water's clean, you know the rice is clean. And I guess that's what's similar to, to, uh, to what's happening here. Um, a farmer would farm the wheat, um, as they still do, because uh, this photo wasn't taken in Bible time. Um, they, they would farm the wheat, and um, as part of purifying it, um, you take it with whatever he has, like a rake or something, you throw it up in the air, and the wheat carries weight, so the wheat falls down to the floor. The chaff is, is light, and it's like dust. So you can see coming up to the side, the wind is blowing it away. So after constantly doing that for a little while, you should just have wheat, because all the chaff will have just blown away in the wind. So that's part of that process. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. And this is reassuring. Uh, I don't know about you, but so often I look at the way that the wicked go on, and uh, it seems like they're prospering, you know, and it seems like they're um, doing well in life. And the psalmist saw this also in Psalm 73, verse 3. It says, I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And I love 
the honesty of that in the psalmist, you know, we could so easily just read the, the psalms or even as Christians sometimes we can always just go on like, everything's great, everything's just so blessed. But, you know, sometimes we have to be honest and say, you know what, the world's looking mighty tempting right now. And the wicked prospering is, is quite a theme um, in the Old Testament and definitely a, a theme that we see today uh, in our modern lifestyle. We see people intentionally doing wrong and getting away with it, even being rewarded by it. We can either hate on it sometimes or, or be tempted by it. But this psalm is so reassuring when it says to us, it's like chaff that the wind blows away. It means nothing. It's, it's without substance, like it carries no weight. It carries away easily, you know, just a little bit of breeze and it's gone. So often um, bad things get positive attention. I remember uh, I'm from Birmingham and uh, my wife Abby is, is from London. So in the early days we spent a lot of time at train stations uh, saying goodbye and stuff or hello. And uh, one time we were waiting uh, for a train and uh, there's a big billboard, you know, like how you get big advertisements in Houston or King's Cross or whatever. And there was someone had written a book. It was, must have been some sort of assassin or something. He'd written a book. I don't really know why. But um, the tagline, which made you, you know, was to attract you to buy the book, was a quote from the author. And he said, people ask me if I've ever killed anyone. I tell them I didn't shoot to miss. And we see that sort of attitude glorified so much. That sounds extreme, but we listen to music. Um, those of us who have listened to, to uh, to rap music, it's, it's rife in rap music, it's, it's obvious that you're going to find it there, but we find it subtly in other styles of music as well, glorifying a certain lifestyle, uh, glorifying certain things which carry no weight at all. The world looks at it as weighty, like if you're, I don't know, uh, you, uh, you know, let me go on to I was going to, you know when you want to use a certain word but then you feel like the teacher at school, like you might feel like you're a bad man. <laughs> so I, I kind of stopped myself from saying that. But um, I was listening to um, an interview yesterday on YouTube uh, from uh, Lupe Fiasco, and um, I don't endorse his music or encourage you to listen to it, but I found it interesting, uh, this interview uh, that they had with him. Um, he's an unusual guy. When he first came out, uh, he was very different. He skateboards and stuff like that. And uh, before he came out, I didn't see many rappers skateboarding at that time. Um, but he, wanna, he was on a chat show, and the clip showed him there in, I think, recent times. And they, he must have been on the same sh chat show about six years before. And the, uh, the host said, let's show the footage of when you were on before. So it showed the footage, first him at the skate park, having a nice time, showing the host how to skateboard. And they were like, let's, let's go back to, to your area, to where you grew up. So they went to his area. He's from some proper kind of ghetto part of, of, of Chicago. Um, and they showed him a few of his friends, like people hanging around the area, whatnot. And uh, in the video, he was very much saying, yeah, you know, I want to try better my area, things like that. When it come back to the studio now, to modern times, like he's in tears, like proper broke down, like it took him a while to get himself back together. And the host said to him, you know, why, what, is, what has caused you to break down in this way? And he says, these guys that are there in this video, like they're not alive anymore. Like there's so many faces that I'm seeing that, that are now dead. And, and he watches the video and he says, nothing's changed. Like it's six years later, I go back to that area, nothing's changed. And he was saying these guys were repping their area hard. Do you know what I mean? Like, and he said, for what? Like they've had their funeral. Like no one, you mention their name now, no one knows who they are around that area. 
and I quote from it, Lupe Fiasco says, he says, I'm from the hood and I go to the skate park because I don't like the hood. All my friends are killers. All my friends are in every gang you want to talk about, every level of crime you want to talk about. But that isn't what it's about or what it's supposed to be because that didn't build this place. It's going to tear this place down. And this isn't a man who I don't think knows the Bible. He doesn't know the word. But he sees, you know, the way of the wicked. He sees their actions, which are just like chaff, just blown away. And um, this can be seen in, you know, it's not just in, in, in that kind of extreme case, but we might see it if you go Canary Wharf and, and the businessman trying to make a, uh, trying to make a, a, a quick dollar, however way, you know, in any way possible, um, even if it's, you know, immoral, even if it puts other people out, you know, trying to, trying to gain money, which is worth what when they die? Chaff. Just chaff which blows away in the wind. Verse 5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So these people, so, so this, this is um, possibly referring to, the, to an earthly judgment, something which they might experience on earth as a result of their actions. But more likely, uh, the final judgment uh, which people will face after they die. Um, and these might be people who have status on earth, you know, who, who uh, stand so high and mighty on earth, but in the final judgment, they won't even stand, or they won't even have a leg to stand on. They're, they're, uh, their works are irrelevant. Um, no withstanding at all. Um, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And it doesn't matter what kind of crowd we try and fit in now or people we try and please you know the end time comes in the final judgment you know the, the, the congregation of the righteous will be the place to be that's where everyone will be tripping over themselves to get to you know verse 6 for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish so the Lord doesn't simply know about so it's not a case of, yeah, the Lord, he knows what the way of the righteous is, and that's a good thing. No, he knows, he knows with affection and approval, and he sees and knows. And this is great news, because so often the right way, the righteous way, can seem like there's no high fives, there's no pats on the back, there's no approval, no one's noticing what we're doing. Um, but yeah, God knows it. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, and the way of the wicked will perish so things which may look good now, things which even seem to prosper now, will perish, blow away. So what do we value in, in life? What is it that we're pursuing? What is our pursuit of happiness? What is our end goal? What kind of drives us? What do we get up for in the morning? The world gives credibility to success, to, to multi-platinum albums, to billion-pound businesses, to Olympic gold medals. doesn't matter how you got it. As long as your face is on TV or the front of the paper, then you're getting ratings and, and you must be happy. Do you know what I mean? You must be happy if you've got all those things, surely. But what if it's not as extreme as that? What if it's just getting a nice house? What if it's a nice car? What if it's getting a husband or a wife, having a family? Surely those are the things that bring happiness, right? Surely those are the things. That's my pursuit of happiness. That's my Will Smith moment. Those are the things that I'm pursuing. That is the happy ending for me. That's the, the dramatic music and the big speech. Blessed or happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, 
nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields his fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I don't know what this looks like for you. I don't know what delighting in his, in his word looks like for you. Um, but for me, it means not just breezing over it. Uh, sometimes we, we can almost score brownie points with ourselves, like, yeah, I read the Bible today. You know, I read um, Psalms, whatever, a couple of verses, a uh, chapter a day. Do you know what I mean? But we, we, we read it, we breeze over it. For me, I know I need to, to study, I need to look into it more. For you, it might mean getting a study Bible. Uh, ESV study Bible's great, um, is worth getting. It might be a book which helps you to understand the Bible more. One thing I've just got into this year is uh, overview books. As I said earlier, I've, I've kind of grown to understand and appreciate how each book has a, a set place in the Bible which is significant and important. Um, even the, the, the monotonous, boring parts have such a significant place in the Bible, and there's a there's a big a bigger picture. And there's a book, incidentally, called God's Big Picture uh, by an author called Vaughan Roberts, and that's really helpful in helping to understand and appreciate that. But essentially, doing this helps us to get to know the Father more. As I said, I used to not have a problem with understanding. Yeah, Jesus obviously loves me. Do you know what I mean? He came to Earth. Uh, to, to die, you know, he, I can, he, he was a human that, that related and spoke to other humans, but the God, the Father, I, I think, you know, is he what, like a headmaster who's just shaking his head like, oh, they're really getting it wrong. But understanding the Bible, understanding the law, the law that is a law of grace, understanding the big picture of the Bible, understanding that it's God, the Father, that sent his son, Jesus, has helped me to understand how much he's, he loves me and to be able to delight in his law. I'm not where I want to be, you know, but it's a journey, it's a process. Don't be caught up in, in, in reading this psalm and thinking, well, I'm, I'm obviously wicked, so there's no hope for me. I'm definitely not the blessed or the happy man who does these things. I'm, I'm, I'm basically walking with sinners, I'm standing in the way of sinners, or I'm sitting in the seat of scuffers. We're all born sinful, you know, we're all born um, wicked in a sense. But the very fact that Jesus sent his son to die for us means that we can read this psalm and by his grace say, you know what, um, I'm, I'm blessed, I'm happy. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be uh, a child of, of the king. I'm, ha- I'm happy to be delighting in his law and I can delight on, in the law and I'm reassured to know that he sees what I'm doing. He sees my heart. And I'm reassured to know that the way of the wicked, which seems so prosperous, which seems to succeed so much, um, will perish, will blow away in the wind. Even if we don't see it in this life, we'll definitely see it in the life to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your law which we can delight in, Lord. Thank you for your, your word, which is a, a message of grace, a grace which we so don't deserve. Father, I, help, uh, I pray that you'd help us because so often we feel like we're walking the road of the wicked, Lord. We can feel 
like we're tempted by the world even and by the, the things that they have to offer that seem to be so prosperous. Father, help us to delight in your word. Uh, help us to, 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 to walk and pursue happiness, to pursue blessedness uh, that is of you, Lord. Um, true happiness, true blessedness, feelings of, of content in knowing uh, the God that we serve and understanding the word that we read. Lord, we know it's not easy and we know it's a journey, but Father, I pray that you'd walk it with us um, and every day, uh, Lord, we'd be able to commit that to you. Uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Sam. The Lord bless you, bruv, for an insightful and also challenging um, look at Psalm 1. And we thank the Lord because as the gatekeeper of the Psalms, it really does give a very simple explanation of the way to life. It's either you're righteous or you're unrighteous. And if you're righteous, you walk with the righteous and not with the unrighteous. And if you're unrighteous, you can become righteous and walk with the righteous. And it's as straightforward as that. And the reality is that we're all unrighteous, every single one of us, even if you feel like you've kept the psalm. You haven't. Even if you feel as though your good works put you in a good standing. There's only one who has kept the psalm and there's only one who's fulfilled it. And that is Jesus. And it's only through having his righteousness credited to us that we can know that actually we won't be in the congregation of the unrighteous. And so the first question is, are you righteous or unrighteous today? Are you righteous or unrighteous? If you're relying on your own worth, your own sense of value, then you are relying on the wrong thing. If you have the recognition that you are unrighteous, and that's where it starts. I'm unrighteous. I'm wicked. It sounds extreme. I'm wicked. You're wicked. God is perfect. He is holy, perfect in all his ways. One little degree of error is as wickedness compared to God. So we're all wicked. But thanks be to God who causes us to triumph through Christ Jesus. That we can be declared righteous. And as the scripture speaks of us being clothed in the robes of Christ's righteousness. We can know that we stand forgiven and so Jesus invites you to be forgiven and if you've known the forgiveness of Christ have you compromised along the way have you walked with the sinner as they've said come this way you were walking with the Lord and they said come this way and you changed direction you didn't stop moving yet and as you went their way, you stopped in their place and you got comfortable and you sat down in that place. 
Is that where you've been at? The Lord calls you. And he says, look, come and be like that tree planted by the waters. And so um, as the, the guys lead us in the song, let's just take a med moment to meditate on where we're at. As we give thanks for the righteousness of Christ. And the fact that the Father would see fit to grant it, to bestow it to us. To gift it to us. Without works, without payment, without earning. And that each of us personally would consider ourselves, consider yourself. Don't think about the person to the left or right. And just think about where you are in that big picture. And make a determination to press on in the Lord's way. Amen.